0: Hello and welcome. I'm Eric, and this is the Wikipedia Chronicles Light. He goes away, leaving me lonely all through the day. But I'm so happy when he comes home. This is a podcast where we usually start with a random article, explore it, then follow the links and see where it takes us, but um, once again uh, we couldn't get together to record this week so I'm going this one alone again and I will be continuing the plumbing series. Last week we had kind of a general overview of water supply and sanitation. So, today let's take a look at, specifically, flush toilets. I mentioned last week that they were found in the Indus Valley Civilization. That's the earliest they have found flush toilets. And in the cities of Harappa and Mohenjo-Daro, they had a flush toilet in almost every house and it was attached to a sophisticated sewage system. And they also appeared in Nosos and Akrotiri of the ancient Minoan civilization from the second millennium BC. So, they had flush toilets a long time ago and it's um, pretty incredible, really. And primitive forms of flush toilets have been found to exist since ancient Neolithic times. The oldest Neolithic village in Britain, dating from circa 31st century B.C., Scarabray, Orkney, used a form of hydraulic technology for sanitation. And we have mentioned before, a long time ago on this podcast, about ancient civilizations using hydraulics, and it still blows my mind how much technology these old civilizations actually had and yeah it's just pretty amazing but this village's design used a river and connecting drainage system to wash waste away and similar flush toilets were in use throughout the Roman Empire from the first through fifth centuries AD some include some examples include those at Vindolanda and Hadrian's Wall in Britain with the fall of the Roman Empire, these toilets fell into disuse. So that's kind of a bummer. But the development of the flush toilet. In 1596, Sir John Harrington actually published a new discourse of a stale subject called the Metamorphosis of Ajax, describing a forerunner to the modern flush toilet installed at his house at Kelston. The design had a flush valve to let water out of the tank and a washed-down design to empty the bowl. He installed one for his godmother, Queen Elizabeth I, at Richmond Palace. So, yeah, this is really, um, like modern flush toilets. Surprising. But with the onset of the Industrial Revolution and related advances in technology, the flush toilet began to emerge in its modern form. A crucial advance in plumbing was the s-trap, which I mentioned last time, I believe, which was invented by Alexander Cumming in 1775, and that's still in use today. Uh, Basically, this device allows um, standing water to seal the outlet of the bowl and prevents the bad smells from the sewer from getting up into the toilet and um, you know, into your nose. So his design had a sliding valve in the bowl outlet above the trap and two years later Samuel Prosser applied for a British patent for a plunger closet. And prolific inventor Joseph Brahma began his professional career installing water closets or toilets that were based on Alexander Cummings' patented design of 1775. He found that the current model being installed in London houses had a tendency to freeze in cold weather. In collaboration with Mr. Allen, he improved the design by replacing the usual slide valve with a hinged flap that sealed the bottom of the bowl. He also developed a float valve system for the flush tank obtaining the patent it in 1778. He began making toilets at a workshop in Denmark Street, St. Giles. The design was arguably the first practical flush toilet, and production continued well into the 19th century, used mainly on boats. So it was really only in the mid-19th century with growing levels of urbanization and industrial prosperity that the flush toilet became a widely used and marketed invention. This period coincided with the dramatic growth in the sewage system, especially in London, which made the flush toilet particularly attractive for health and sanitation reasons. George Jennings established a business manufacturing water closets, salt glaze drainage, sanitary pipes, and sanitary ware at Parkstone Pottery in 1840s, where he popularized the flush toilet to middle class. So Jennings received a patent in 1852 for an improved construction of water closet, in which the pan and trap were constructed in the same place, and so formed that there was always a small quantity of water retained in the pan itself. He also improved the construction of valves, drain traps, forcing pumps, and pump barrels. By the end of the 1850s, building codes suggested that most new middle-class homes in British cities were equipped with a water closet. Another pioneering manufacturer was Thomas William Twyford, who invented the single-piece ceramic flush toilet. 1870s proved to be a defining period for the sanitary industry and the water closet. The debate between the simple water closet trap basin made entirely of earthenware and the very elaborate, complicated, and and expensive mechanical water closet would fall under public scrutiny and expert opinion. In 1875, the washout trap water closet was first sold and was found as the public's preference for basin type water closets so they these flush toilets first appeared in britain but they soon spread to the whole continent and then in america the chain pool indoor toilet was introduced in the homes of the wealthy and in hotels soon after its invention in england in the 1880s flush toilets were introduced in the 1890s William Elvis Sloan invented the flushometer in 1906, which used pressurized water directly from the supply line for faster recycle time between flushes. And you might recognize the name Sloan from uh, toilets, and I'm sure you've seen that name as you go about your business. But the flushometer is still in use today in public restrooms worldwide. And the vortex flushing toilet bowl which creates a self-cleansing effect was invented by Thomas McCavity Stewart of St. John New Brunswick in 1907. Philip Haas of Dayton, Ohio made some significant developments including the flush rim toilet with multiple jets of water from a ring and the water closet flushing and recycling mechanisms similar to those in use today. And Bruce Thomas, working for Caroma in Australia, developed the Duoset cistern with two buttons and two flush volumes as a water-saving measure in 1980. Modern versions of the Duoset are now available worldwide and save the average household 67% of their normal water usage. So, lastly on this particular episode um, I will debunk the swirl direction myth. It is a commonly held misconception that when flushed the water in a toilet bowl swirls one way if the toilet is north of the equator and the other way if south of the equator due to the Coriolis effect. Usually counterclockwise is in, in the northern hemisphere and clockwise in the southern hemisphere. But in reality, the direction that the water takes is much more determined by the direction that the bowl's rim jets are pointed, and it can be made to flush in either direction, in either hemisphere, by simply redirecting the rim jets during manufacture. On the scale of bathtubs and toilets, the Coriolis effect is too weak to be observed, except under carefully controlled laboratory conditions. So there you have it, that's the history of the flush toilet. Yeah, looks like this will be a shorter episode. Hopefully, we will get back together next week. But yeah, I'm not sure if I will continue on the history of plumbing for the next solo Wikipedia Chronicles Light episode, or if I'll move on to another thing. So, we shall see. And please go ahead and visit the Facebook page and give us a like and follow. And please go to iTunes and rate and review us. Because we always need more ratings on there. Because I don't think we have any except for just one. But, um, yeah. So, we're also on Google Play. Um, you can check us out on there. And we have the website, twc.erictoribio.com And um, you can always check out new episodes on there. You can even order books on, that, on the site. Wikipedia has this really cool feature where you can make a book out of a collection of articles. And so what I've done is I've already made the books for each episode. I mean, I've collected the articles into a book. And if you go onto order books on the website, you can click on any of the episodes. It'll take you to the book, and you can see the list of articles there, and you can download it as either a PDF, um or you can order a physical printed copy in hardback or paperback and yeah it's really cool so I encourage you to check that out um, I mean obviously the money doesn't go to anybody but Wikipedia if you decide to purchase a printed copy or anything it's not like I'm getting any money out of this but it's just yeah it's just a really neat feature and um, Someday I hope to have all of the episodes as books up on the the old bookshelf. But um, if you want to, you can also donate. There's a donate button. And uh, if you would like to support the podcast, we can always use better equipment. Or, you know, heck, uh, I could always quit my job if I get enough money and do this whole thing full time. But yeah, anyway... So I'd like to thank Louis Armstrong for our theme song and Billy Murray for our outro song. So thanks again for joining me. I was Eric, and this was the Wikipedia Chronicles Light.